Welcome to CEO On The Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm your host, Gail Lance, and together we'll be exploring the people side of leadership. You'll learn how to better engage and inspire those around you and yourself. So let's get started. Did you know that introverts represent nearly half of the workforce, yet many organizations reward the loudest voices in the room? This week, I have another special episode that will be especially relevant if you are an introverted type of leader, like I am, by the way, or if you're not, you might work with introverted types of leaders and you want to better understand them and learn about ways that you can leverage their talent and power in your organization. So I had a a wonderful conversation with Jennifer Conweiler. I often refer to Jennifer as my favorite extrovert who specializes in introversion. Jennifer is the author of a number of books on the subject, including The Introverted Leader, Quiet Influence, and then her most recent book is Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces. And she's also created an interesting quiz that you can take to see if you have an introvert-friendly workplace. So we'll include the links to her books and the quiz in the show notes. But for now, let's listen in on my conversation with Jennifer. Well, hey, Jennifer, I'm glad that we could talk today. Gail, it's always a pleasure. We've known each other a while, and it's great to be on your podcast. Good. Well, I know you are my favorite extrovert who talks about introversion as it relates to leadership. And I know that you have a lot to say. It's of particular interest to me, of course, because I am an introverted leader, if that's not already obvious to people who are listening in. And I know you have your new book out. You've done a lot of research. So I was just curious to know more about this topic. Tell me some of the latest findings or information that you think is most important to know about introverted leaders. Right. Well, thank you uh, for asking. And and where do we start? The good news is I just want to give a little context, Gail. As you know, uh, I've been working in this area for, oh, about 12 years. When the first book came out 10 years ago, The Introverted Leader, nobody really actually identified as that. And actually, people might not know that you're an introvert, right, from listening to you, because there's still a lot of misconception. But as we've gone forward, and as I've done more research, you know, the, the word has gotten out. We have now what I might call, and others have called the introvert revolution, where people are stepping into their power and realizing that having quiet strengths, like listening and being calm and the major one, which is taking quiet time, and you can validate that, Gail, or not, right? You, being with people, but then absolutely needing that time to uh, decompress and take breaks. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's a quiet revolution that you referenced. There. That's right. It, it is a very <laughs> quiet revolution, but it's yeah. happening. My area is looking and studying the workplace. And so I realized if, a few years ago that I, I was working in organizations and talking with my clients most of whom who were introverted, they were uh, you know, starting to own their power and, and their strengths, but then they would go back into their workplaces and, and find that the structures in the systems were not designed, whether they were smaller companies or larger ones, to really support introverted strengths and qualities. You know, things like meetings, the, even the hiring process. I identify seven key areas in the book where, where I take a look at um, and where the challenges are, but also as you mentioned, my latest research, looking at where 
there are pockets of now introvert inclusion. I was looking for best practices. Great. Yes. Well, and I want to hear more about that. But I also obviously wanted to touch on today's times. I was just curious to know what you've seen over the past few months, given the pandemic and the fact that so many people are working virtually now. It seems to be that these times were actually made for introverted leaders. At least that's what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, and and Gail, you've always been based remotely too, right? I mean, I know yes. you travel a lot, but you also had your home base. So for a lot of introverts, that's uh, this is a new phenomenon, particularly people who are knowledge workers. Uh, you know, let's not forget that there are so many workers who don't have that luxury, right, of of working yes. at home. And for many people who are knowledge workers, they also have many other responsibilities now. I'm hearing about stress, as we all are, with uh, kids in remote schooling and having to be a homeschooled parent and balancing those roles. So overwork is an issue. But on the on the positive side, the pros that I've, I'm seeing are, as you mentioned, Gail, that there is a, a real uh, affinity to having autonomy. So I did a study before COVID and looked at you know, what were the frustration or the challenges that, that introverts were finding in the workplace. And two of the major areas that came up was the open office and meetings. So if you think about it, the open office is not, you know, we're starting to slowly go back. Um, and actually on the positive side, we, we have a chance to relook at how we do the open office. People were finding that privacy and interruptions were really issues for them. And so that has been uh, addressed, you know, by having remote work. Uh, so that's been a positive. I would say meetings are still challenges. Uh, and in fact, even more so in some cases, as we get zoomed out, uh, you know, people talk about Zoom overload. And for introverts, if they don't have breaks during those meetings, um, and if managers and leaders are not giving people spaces to really not always necessarily have a Zoom meeting, maybe we don't even need to have this every time, but we're getting into the same problems we find in regular meetings too, where introverts are kind of getting lost and not heard from, even on those video calls, you know what I mean? Yes. And that's interesting. One of the recommendations that I've made to clients, especially when I'm speaking or they're wanting to do meetings that are about an hour long is to build in 15 minute checkpoints or breaks. If you're speaking, then it's it's a great experiment to just speak for 10 or 15 minutes and open it up for questions and then get back into your content. So that the, the sections are chunked down. I like that approach. And I think it's just more manageable for people who are having to tune in through a laptop. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, what we also are missing the boat on is that some leaders don't use the opportunity to have like, remember, we had, we used to say good meeting hygiene, and these principles haven't changed, where you have a scribe, or you have somebody helping you do, you know, keep time, those things are still very important. So the scribes role this time may be to switch it a little bit and to be monitoring the chat because introverts do, as we know, uh, really do express themselves a lot through writing and are much more comfortable. You'll learn where people are parked and their ideas, and there'll be interaction on the chat that's very vibrant. Um, you know, I've been doing online classes for many years with most introverts, right? <laughs> and I guess what I picked up, right? <laughs> 
and quizzes too. That's something that I've been integrating uh, just to drive some engagement. So okay, like polls and things like that. Is that what yeah, you're yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was curious to know too, like, again, for senior executives that might see themselves as introverted leaders, do you have any specific tips for them in terms of how they can be most effective in their role or something that they need to be attuned to? Yeah. And I know that's, uh, that's what you study and who you coach, Gail. And I'm glad you're asking that question uh, because this really wasn't on the mind of leaders. Uh, we're seeing more of this now. So that's the first thing to become aware and educated, right? About uh, what introversion is, what it isn't. Um, it's not shy, right? It's, there's a lot of myths about it. Or if you have somebody who's reporting to you and you're a more outgoing sort of person or may, perhaps more extroverted or even an introvert, you might make a lot of really wrong judgments based on uh, your, your unconscious bias. Right. And I'm sure there are different degrees of introversion, right? Or extroversion. I mean, we're not one way or the other. Exactly. We tend to identify with one or the other. But what we know now, Gail, is that, you know, introversion and extroversion are really more on a spectrum. And it's more like a, a bell curve, if you think of it that way. Most of us identify with one or the other, but we're all pretty much clustered towards the middle. And you know, introverts will have to be out there and be you know, socializing like the way I've seen you do so beautifully and you've learned that skill. But you also can just as easily go to the other side. And we tend to prefer one side or the other, but we certainly develop, particularly as we get older. So we get experience and we learn how to develop those other skills and those other sides of ourselves. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing too, there may be some situational conditions that might uh, sway a person one way or the other or have them behave differently. Yes. Depending on how they're wired. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how we get better is, is stepping into those. So in the first book, in The Introverted Leader, I, I kind of I developed a model based on what introverts told me that they did to develop those sides of themselves, but not necessarily become extroverts. And there were four Ps in that model, and it still holds up very well. And that's preparing, uh, having presence, pushing in practice. And so introverts will say, okay, well, I need to become a good presenter. And I'm not, that's not natural for me, but I'm going to really work at it. And that diligence and that discipline is a real hallmark and a strength of, of introverted leaders. So that's the, the preparation part. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then presence would be being there and not worrying about the past or how it's going to come out. But like being there so you can be responding to people who are in your group or in your team. Just getting out of your head. Exactly. Do you work with people about that on that, on how to get kind of be right there, right? Where you're oh, going. always. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are too, too many competing <laughs> ideas and issues surrounding you. You know, the, the world is swirling around right now. So it's really important to be more present than you ordinarily would, I think. And that's what your people see. Now, I remember once coaching a young man who was saying that people weren't really coming to see him. He wanted them to come to him with issues on his team. It was a new manager. And I said, well, what happens when they come in? He's, well, I keep working. And then I, you know, I kind of give him, he realized he gave him not really attention. And then once he just started changing that one behavior, he'd realized that that was destructive to do that or wasn't helping him. Uh, he would put, you know, his hands down and then just look at the person. And he said that made all the difference. So just like, you know, we do, we coach people on behaviors. Um, I wanted to just get back to that question you asked about, about what introverted leaders can do in addition to understanding, number one, about what introversion is and facing our own bias. It's also uh, sharing stories 
related to this, about your experience as either an introvert or an extrovert. You know, as extroverts, we can be advocates. I found a number of those when I went to visit companies. People like me who really are frustrated and see the the damage that's done, both from a, a motivation standpoint, but even also from a bottom line standpoint, when we don't hear the ideas of 40 to 60 percent, you know, of our, of our population. So to clarify, when you say share stories, share stories with other people in the organization, with both other leaders? Both. Okay. And I was starting out both with our teams to talk about who we are and our likes and our dislikes to deepen our connections. It helps people understand who you are as a person and your preferences. One person who, who I got to know in, in studying introverted leaders early on was Doug Conan. You might know Doug. He was the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company. And he was one of the first people, right, you, you know, who came out as a senior leader at the C-level who actually claimed his introversion because introvert leaders just didn't know about it. And then they thought, well, there's something, there's some shame associated, but not Doug. And he would have one-on-one conversations as he usually did with his direct reports and even people you know, beyond that and talk about, you know, how he liked to connect, how he liked to communicate a little bit more about him personally you know, some of the challenges he's had along the way. And and people then felt connected to the CEO. And then he would also write them individual notes. You know, he was one of those super like connecting people. And he was, ext- he's extremely introverted. Um, so that's one way introverts can build on their strengths. Like I've seen you, Gail, do is develop deeper one-on-one conversations and connections. And would you say that's something you've observed as well? Oh, yeah. And I really like um, your example about his work, because he's doing it in his own style. And, you know, no apologies, not trying to fit any other mold or expectation of what a quote, good leader should do. That's what I think is so important for, for all leaders, really, but especially for introverted leaders, that can sometimes speaking for myself, at least feel a little odd or out of the norm. So yeah, yeah. And you can you can really relate to that. And what I heard from the people that work in those companies where I had the opportunity to hear them share some of these stories. I was on on the panels with people or presenting at a keynote. We would always try to bring a, a senior leader up who who is introverted and who could talk about the, the challenges and the opportunities. And um, they would always talk about how much they identify with the introvert. You know, once they realized they were introverts, how in a way that was very freeing, um, that they realized there's nothing wrong with that. But what that did for the people in that group, and I even talk with people after these sessions, Gail, was just so powerful to hear that. Somebody who was so successful and to be very proud of being an introvert. Mm-hmm. I've seen a, a lot of different leadership models over the years that companies have have tried to impose or to have their their people kind of fit into, and I've not seen any of the acknowledgement around style, like I think that there should be, or uh, like you said, or uh, just understanding people's preferences. It starts with ourselves. I mean, leaders need to really do some self reflection and continually do that and model that. But we also we have to realize that. We have to flex. I mean, flexing is a big part of being an effective leader. And one of the things that's happening now in COVID that where I'm seeing um, leaders do that well, when they're doing it well, is to reach out even more, Gail, to people. Because one of the areas that can happen, the things that can happen now is people can feel very isolated, introverts and extroverts. That's that's a con. Wouldn't you agree? Like we're not having that sort of, you know, spontaneous hallway conversation or water cooler 
conversation, right? So we really need to check in with people both to just see how they're doing, but to also just connect to them in a very real way, right? Yeah. And it takes just a little extra effort, but people appreciate it so much. And I also think the more informal the communication can be the better so that you don't have to have you know meetings that are scheduled even some of the CEOs and senior executives that I'm working with are doing random reach out are calls. they okay yeah on the fly oh, which wow. is you know um yeah so imagine just getting a call out of the blue saying hey just checking in wanted to see how things are going you know and and that's a little bit different but appreciated when people are uh, feeling so isolated. So, yeah, and if you are scheduling one, letting them know you're not there to tell them some bad news, right? I'm no, <laughs> exactly. You get, you exactly. see the CEO's number come up, you might get a little anxious, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's a time to be creative and test out some, some new ways of uh, reaching out to people. I love that word creative. No, you're absolutely right. That That's what's happening now. People have to be creative and build on that uh, propensity that introverts have for connection. And, you know, a very, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I reached out on the advice of some of our speaker friends, let's just kind of reach out to your clients and your coaches and the people that are in your world and just see how they're doing. And one individual wrote me back and he said, I really appreciate you writing. He was very introverted. He said, writing me because it's not, it's not a piece of cake now. Everybody thinks this is so wonderful for us, but he goes, I do get lonely. And so, right. And so that kind of exploded the myth right there for me. And it made me realize we just can't lump introverts into, you know, this, this bucket of like, oh, this is nirvana. Although you said you've been enjoying a lot of it, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, I resist a lot of labeling too, though. That's why I'm, you know, I'm a fan of saying that there's a, a range of different types of people, but to just be aware of, of your preferences and how you might naturally be wired. So yes, I would agree. And, and I would, again, one thing that people do, you know, get very anxious about, and it seems so unnecessary, but I know why they'll say to me, you know, I don't know if I'm an introvert or extrovert. I know you're somebody that I think, I think believes that I do that it's about behaviors, right? And, and what's working for you in, in the workplace, what's effective for you and where do, might you need to ramp it up some or change it up and not label yourself. Oh, cause I'm an introvert. I can't do this. And that, that really does put you in a, in a box. Yes. Yes. And sometimes other people want to put you in a box, which brings me to my next question. So say that you're not an introverted leader, but you want to be sensitive to those that are or bring out the best in them. What advice would you have for people in an organization that really do want to be more sensitive to people who tend to be uh, a more introverted type? So first of all, I, I love that question because it really uh, brings in the whole idea of advocacy and being an ally. And, you know, that's what I've been trying to do, for, you know, and I still am attempting to do myself as an extrovert, right? People are always surprised. Well, how could you be writing about this? Because I, I am, I'm like an introvert wannabe. <laughs> I know the irony. I know. It is the irony. You used to kid me, right? You always kidding me. But I have to tell you, my editor, Steve said to me on this last book, he said, Jennifer, I, I have to tell you something. I think you've become an introvert. I said, Steve, that is not true. And I, I was going to say. No, but you know why he said that? Because I, I really did adopt a lot of his behaviors. He's an off-the-chart introvert. And I came to the meetings early. I was very prepared. I had all my questions lined up. I, I, did, I did my best to not interrupt him out of enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. I did all the introvert behaviors, Gail. And it seemed to work. But I, and I told Bill, and he was like, you know, Bill, and Bill, my husband, and he said, no way. 
<laughs> You've got a long way to go. And no, it's not that. But so your question had to do with uh, what um, what can extroverts do? Yeah. It's, or yeah, someone who is not naturally introverted, but they want to be sensitive to others who are in organizations. So what would be some tips or some advice that you would give them? Well, they can be change agents. Okay. And part of, part of being a change agent, I have a whole like a uh, whole list in here of things that people can do. But one of the things they can do is just to start educating others and clarifying what introverts are, like I mentioned with the leaders to do that. And to also be aware uh, real time, this doesn't take you know, a lot of, of, of complex acts. So being aware in a situation, let's say you're, uh, I was in one like this a few months ago before COVID, there was a training session and the person who was leading it was very extroverted and kept throwing out directions to everybody and saying, what do you think? And asking for verbal responses. And one woman who knows about introversion, who is not an introvert, raised her hand. She goes, I really don't think this is really the best way to hear from our introverts. And I was so impressed by that. And I said, that's what we need to be doing. So we need to call out when we see that there might be situations happening that is we're not hearing from them. And by the way, we were able to switch that situation so that we all took a few minutes we used a brainwriting technique where we took a few minutes to write down our answers, okay? And then the output that we got helped everybody come out with more inspired responses. So, it, yeah. you know, that it helps everyone. It's not just introverts. So being aware in the moment of what's happening, asking introverts, don't, don't make assumptions. A lot of times we'll make changes and we won't include or even think, to, is this, you know, it's a diversity issue or inclusion issue? Or is this really serving the introverts, is it making a difference? Uh, one quick example, I was at a trade show and I was walking around, it was a chemical society and the, these young women and I started chatting and they told me that they had just moved to a new building and they're not very vocal. They're very, they were both very introverted, didn't speak up. And uh, they found that, that they created a lab with all of the pl electrical plugs in the wrong places. <laughs> They said, because the people that really made the decisions didn't ask us what we thought. And the people that were more extroverted, there were a few, they shared what they thought, but nobody asked us. So of course, if I was coaching them, we would then write, Gail, we would show them ways that they could get their, their uh, content in. But are we taking the time to really ask that question? You know, are we, are we including everybody in these decisions about our workspace, about remote work? You know, that right now, a lot of companies are deciding what to do. And, you know, I just talked with somebody at Nike and they really addressed the issue of introverts specifically in their questions. And they showed me the survey and they said, how do you feel about that? You know, just asking people will give you great ideas about how to structure the workplace so that it suits all sorts of styles. Yes. And I, I just wanted to offer uh, one other perspective to, to build on what you're saying. And, and I'm guessing you would agree with this, but sometimes I'm thinking that there's some leaders who may not want to, to call out a quote introvert or even talk openly about it, but they might use some alternative language like, let's give a little more time for people who might need to think things through. Or let's take a pause and reflect just for a moment in the meeting. I want to give everyone time to think or process um, or another technique that I've seen is helping queue up conversations in meetings. It might be a team meeting 
where you say, we're going to go to Susan in a moment, but let's start with Bob, knowing that Susan is probably going to need some time to, to get her thoughts together, gives her some time. So that way you're not saying, okay, introverted Susan, you know, oh, no, <laughs> no, I love that. Work, I, and, and I'm not saying that that's what you would do, no. but there's some leaders that, that are probably looking for different ways that they can bring up these issues. I love and, it. I love and it. not be overly sensitive about it and just have it in the natural flow of conversation. It's, I totally agree with that. We, and we have plenty of other examples in the book of, of when I interviewed different people who told, who shared ways that they do that in meetings, how they do it, you know, in hiring, there's a lot of really best practices in there. So I hope people will check out uh, creating introvert friendly workplaces because it's, it's all in there and I'm sure you're going to have it on the, on the notes. Yes, absolutely. We're including all of your books in the show notes. So it'll be a, a lengthy list, <laughs> but people can can check it out. Yeah, there's yeah. a great quote that I did want to share that I did put in the book. And, and we talk, you know, since your, your program, uh, a lot of people listen to it from different levels. I know when we talk about senior leadership, Edgar Schein is somebody I really admire, you know, the OD consultant. And he said, it's what they pay. It's what they pay attention to the senior leaders. It's what they pay attention to and what they encourage and reward that ultimately shapes the organization's culture. Isn't that true, though? It is so true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, leaders at the top get to make that decision. What is it that we'll focus on? And I think that it's really heightening sensitivity about all people, not just introverts, that will help those at the top see that we can really bring out the best in all of our people. Uh, And to your point, just increasing awareness about preferences and how people uh, want to work and giving them a voice in their own way to share how they would like to work, not having to have everything figured out at the top and be overly directive. Oh, yes. Asking those questions is so, so critical. So, so key. And I, you know, one thing I have seen a positive move on in the years I've been doing this work is that more leaders realize, Gail, that it's not just about the tasks and the projects and the milestones and the money, <laughs> you know, it's it, to get to that. We have to spend time as we um, prepare and as we strategize to think about, as you mentioned, the, the styles and the people. It's absolutely critical. And, you know, soft skills lead to hard results. So those use, soft skills used to be laughed at, right, or, or kind of put, out, put aside. And now it's really looked at as important. So I'm glad I've been sticking around here to see that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, as you know, I like to keep these episodes relatively short, but uh, pack in a lot of value. I was just curious to know if in the research that you've done, if there was anything that was especially surprising or that people may not know, something that, that you thought, hmm, that's something I didn't expect. Did you come across any of that? I think that I, I would say in terms of the, the uh, actual data that I got from the survey, it was surprising and sort of not. Almost 60% of the respondents said that it was acceptable for people to work alone. And I was surprised at that because I've been really pushing for less collaboration and less meetings. The I in teamwork isn't important, right? They say there's no I in teamwork on all those posters. Oh, that's true. So I was, I was very encouraged by that statistic. You know, that it was almost 60% said it was acceptable for people to work alone. What I was surprised at, it was also in terms of the comments in my interviews and on the survey, was how passionate, um, like so passionate people still were and, and frustrated, I, passionate, not necessarily in a positive way, about the fact that they were not recognized for who they were and being overlooked and not paid attention to, and that everything was focused about, you know, so many comments about that 
about that. You know, they we're we're in a culture of, as one company called it, loudership. Oh yeah, loudership, not leadership. But I heard that several times, Gail, too, from people, and so I thought that's still existing. That it's so strong that people have to fight against the culture that they're in. Yeah, because the introverted types are least likely to express their concerns. Exactly, exactly. They internalize a lot. We, I shouldn't say they, we, I, yeah. And then it, you get it, and, and a lot of people are starting to get it, uh, that if people don't feel included, they're going to check out. And we can't afford that. They're going to disengage. Uh, they're going to leave. You know, it's, it's just not, it's like what we've been talking about with millennials and Gen Z. We've got to pay attention to these issues. So I guess those were some of the kind of upsetting, I don't want to say upsetting, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, oh, it's still happening. We have a long way to go. But on the positive side, I saw so many examples within organizations of people that were change agents at all levels, not just senior leaders, who were saying, no, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. I'd like to do this meeting differently. I want to start an employee resource group, you know, for a look at, at quieter folks and introvert. It was very encouraging to see that. So, you know, it was, it was both. And it's to be determined. It's a work in progress. Yes, everything's an experiment now. That's um, so true. So before we sign off, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice or a tip, maybe a, a takeaway, anything that a leader might even consider doing this week or today? I would say, yeah, for today, look around and try to understand, give yourself a little bit of a learning goal here to learn more about introversion. And what it is and what it isn't. And notice how it shows up in your life, not just at work. Look at your family and friends and see if perhaps you have been making some incorrect assumptions and maybe you can shift your attitude there and start with that. And and then that will make a difference in the workplace for sure. So start with yourselves. Start with ourselves. Mm. Good, good. Observing, increasing that awareness to make the shift. Yeah, that's a great starting point. Good. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing your insights. I knew that we would have a lot to talk about and that you would share some interesting insights that a lot of people will need to know, not just introverts alone, but people who work with introverted leaders. So thank you for taking time to share your thoughts. Like I said, I'll include resources in the show notes and a link to your site so that if people want to learn more, they can go check out what you have developed. I would it's love very that. worthwhile. Thank you, Gail. And we also have a quiz on the website to determine how uh, introvert-friendly your workplace is uh, so or and how much of an introverted leader, where you, your strengths are and where you might want to work. Those are all free. Uh, JenniferConwiler.com. Whenever people listen to this, they can go to it. And I, I want to thank you, Gail, for being such an incredible listener and interviewer and friend. And um, you're, you know, this is a natural for you. So thank you for giving me the forum <laughs> to talk. Good, good. Well, I appreciate the support too. And I also uh, appreciate people who are listening in. If you've listened this far and you're an introverted leader, then it's natural for you to keep listening. So stay tuned for new episodes with more guest experts in the future because I've got a lot of people in mind that I'd love to introduce you to. I hope you have a great rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Until next time, take care. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and visit workmatters.com. And if you have a question or a suggestion for a future topic for the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. So keep growing as a leader and doing the work that matters to you. Until next time. Mm-hmm.